There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? You can do it! Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Yeah! One step in the end zone, it's tipped up. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, almost football time in Tennessee time. I am tapping my pen on this table time. Very loudly. Grant being rude time. Very forcefully talking, too. That took about 10 seconds for Grant to be rude time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Ball 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, joined by the full crew today. We'll go clockwise, Grant Ramey, who was just rude a second ago, Ryan Callahan, and Patrick Brown. Am I, am I allowed to talk yet? Is the intro over? I know I can't like make any moves because apparently I'm the one that ruins it. You just type during the intro part, and when I'm trying to loop the music in later for the intro to put it all together, because I do hard work because I'm proud of what we do at GoVault 24-7, when I do all that and it's you're clicking on the keyboard over and over But how again, do you know it's me, though? I can see. I can tell. Does you punching a hole in the table make it hard to edit? Oh, can you hear this? Yeah. Yes. Very loudly. We're just damaging the table. It's an old table. And a historic table. But another day, another time, I will General tell Custer. the... <laughs> there actually is a really cool story behind this desk, and, and one time on a GoBoss 24-7 podcast, perhaps not in the one right before football season starts, I will... Tell that story. Patrick's just trying to provide ambient noises to cover up the running water in the background. Yeah, it's true. Uh, for those of you who are keeping score on these kinds of things, and you're probably not, but uh, we are going through the uh, worst insurance claim process in the history of all of those things. Uh, it's the, just a lot of, it's a really old house, so there's a lot of inter- interesting stuff involved in it. So, long story short, Fort Rucker Studio is normally the man cave-ish part of this house. And right now it's also part she shed. So, because the wife's office across the hall um, is also her closet right now because that's what happens when your master bedroom becomes inoperable for several months. Uh, so that's why um, there might be little pieces of glitter, some colored pens and pencils. So going stuff. into football season, you were not the master of your domain. Not temporarily, no. And the other day, I walked in here, and, you know, before we talk football, I just want to get this out of the way. If you – there are things that, that a spouse should should warn you about, and if you're walking into a house one day and you see – you know, like in, in Homeland, how Carrie Matheson puts, like, all those things on the board, like with the strings and, yeah, like, all yeah. this? I walked in the other day, and almost the entire upstairs walls of this house, almost all of them, were covered – and that kind of a diagram, and I thought, oh, my God, my wife is a mass murderer, or she's crazy. And or she works for the uh, whatever. It, the whatever. CIA on the side? The CIA, is that? Yeah. Or it's like the, a beautiful mind where just making that stuff up. Because I had to sit down. I was like, listen, we need to talk about something here. Uh, are you hiding some insanity from me? Because it's just something you should warn somebody about. I'm just saying. You could warn them before. You do that. Uh, can we transition from warning to football? Warning, football season's about to start. 
uh, CIA to football. There's not really a seamless transition there. No. So we'll just go ahead and do it, Nine guys. days. Nine days until Tennessee. As of Thursday. As of Thursday. We're going to release this on Friday morning. So Eight scr- days. Scratch that. Eight days until Tennessee. That's the worst record scratch I've ever heard. <laughs> well, I don't have the full monitor right now for this mm, one. I don't have affected. his. He didn't have that sound effect on standby anyway. He's affected. Look at him. At some point now, in the next whatever forty-five to fifty minutes, Grant Ramey's going to have a sad trombone played over something that he says. Grant playing the agitator, and, and he maybe, won't be able, and he won't be able to hear it because he doesn't have headphones in. Perhaps, so. perhaps even one of those YouTube things where it's like three minutes of like fart sounds. I'm just going to play that every time Grant talks. Grant's just feeling feisty because the Braves are up what three games on the NL East? Three even games. Big mm. Ron just hit another home run. Probably. Maybe they can even be the Cubs one day when they grow up. Mm. The Cardinals need to start losing, though, 17-4 and four in the last 21. I don't know. Okay. It's gross. Back on the rails. Listen, listen. Big talk. Back on track. Squeak toy. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't even want to listen to you tell me what to do right now. Rude. As it happens, though, you're correct. And we will go transition to Tennessee football eight days until Tennessee opens its season against West Virginia at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina, home of uh, Rashawn Gaudin's Carolina Panthers, I guess we could say at this point. Shout out to Gaudin for earning a, a start there in a preseason game. That's, uh, that's big stuff for that rookie. And Tennessee will be playing in that stadium eight days from the day this podcast is released. And, guys, we, we've talked about it all offseason. This is a tough test. We're going to get more into this game specifically next week. But the point is, Tennessee has been preparing – a new defense, a new offense, new specialists, new special teams schemes. Try to say that ten times fast. They've been getting all of these things ready, and we don't know now, eight days from now, there are a lot of questions as to what this is going to look like. So here is my question. Pruitt says, or Pruitt, Jeremy Pruitt said on Wednesday night, I believe, that he was asked a question about the quarterbacks, and he said, y'all keep asking me about the starting quarterbacks, and, and, and we don't know who the starters are at several positions. And my response to that was a question saying, how many places do you know you have starters or do you know your depth chart versus how many positions you don't know that? And his answer made it seem like they almost don't know who's going to start anywhere. And we all know. Can we safely assume here in a 4-0 mo- pass a motion that says that's BS? Completely not true. Can we be unanimous on that? Yeah, I think I think they know who's going to play where, and I, I think there is something to part of his answer, which was uh, it's performance-based. So they may start somebody, and if that person goes out there and blows two assignments and two series, if it's a defensive player or whatever, they might give the, other, they might give the next guy in line a chance and, and – I was reading some stuff this week for some stuff I was writing, and that happened with Alabama last year. I think uh, maybe it was Trayvon Diggs, maybe, was their starter at one of the defensive back positions, and and he had three blown coverages or three blown assignments in the first quarter, I think, against Florida State. So they put Levi Wallace in, who was a walk-on, and he ended up starting every game. So uh, this staff's going to, you know, they're going to put the guys out there they think give them the best chance to win. But if if you're a player and you you go out there and you make mistakes and don't do it right, uh, they're going to give somebody else a chance. The biggest thing I took from that whole spiel that, that Pruitt had in response to that question was him saying, we hope to play a lot of guys. Uh, I, I think that's very telling when he, at one point in camp, was asked about the secondary, whether you plan to rotate a lot of guys there, and he, he kind of said, that, that, that's a position where you don't really want to have to rotate a lot of guys. That's 
know, that, that's his position of expertise, and he's saying, hey, you need to get into a rhythm back there. If you put a guy in and he makes a mistake, that it could be a touchdown. That You don't want to have a lot of rotation there. So I wasn't sure how they would approach that. But here he is a little more than a week away from the season opener, and he's saying we're, we're hoping to play a lot of guys. And I think that's kind of where they are with this team. They've got some guys that are coming on looking like they're capable of helping, and, and they're, uh, I think, kind of opening the door to say, you know what, let's let this competition carry on into the season. So I think this is going to be a very fluid lineup based on what we've seen so far. But to answer your question, yeah, I think they know who they're starting at most positions right now, if I, if I had to guess. It's A, coach speak, and it's B, I think. They, like Ryan said, fluid, want to play a bunch of people. They may have starters in mind. I'm sure they do have starters in mind at a lot of different positions. But starting jobs are always going to be open. You're either going to play your way up or play your way down. Uh, you're never going to be locked into anything just based on uh, something you've done in the past. They're going to find their 11 best guys on the field. And if that's a different 11 every week, so be it. If it's the same 11 every week, that's fine too. And, hey, that includes quarterback. You know, we're all focusing on this preseason quarterback battle, but I don't think the competition ends with the West Virginia no, game. No way. Okay, I, I've, I've put together right now what I think is a, a situation where I've got 12 – places on offense and 12 places on defense that's just you a guess play 11 on each side <laughs> <laughs> you perhaps have seen a depth chart that every school in america puts out now that has 12 spots uh, because Three depending receivers. on what formation that you're yeah. playing you can only you, play 11 though you know there was a depth that's chart true. there were two depth charts we played 13 so you're wrong i was just gonna say read patrick brown's there, there depth were, chart oh, damn it ryan you messed me up uh, you, language sorry patrick. this is a family uh, the, the d word's not a big deal <laughs> Uh, let's avoid let's avoid S F G D, but but a D occasionally. You yeah. have to put NSFW on the uh, tag for this one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was just gonna say there there are uh, there were two really good depth charts on GoVols twenty four seven this week. I'm just I'm just saying there were. If you missed those, you need to go check those out. Th- those were collaborative efforts that Patrick took all the credit for. But that's, that's true. Okay. They were collaborative efforts, and I thank you all for your assistance. Uh, you actually typed it down though, so you get the you get the byline on it. Here, here's what we did. You're uh, right, I do. On offense, I've got uh, QB, running back. Three wide receivers, uh, a position that's tight end slash fullback slash H back, and then five offensive line spots. That's on offense. On defense, I've got the uh, two defensive ends, the nose, Jack, Sam, Will, and Mike, the linebackers. Uh, I've got a cor- two corners, two safeties, and a nickel. Those are the twelve, I guess, that I'm putting I, I, on. Each I think side of the I ball. had twelve on the on my two depth charts too. So, so yeah. uh, of these twelve, here's what we're trying to determine: where can we make a pretty good guess, like? Let's say you feel safe, somewhat safe in predicting this is going to happen. For these four, 24 spots, 12 on offense, 12 on defense, where do we feel like – where can we just sharpie someone into the lineup? Well, I think there are, are a handful of places you can, but there are also places where you feel pretty confident, but like you're, I don't want to put it in a sharpie yet. And there's some other places where – like a running back. Like we don't know who's going to be on the field for the first play necessarily. It's a committee, yeah. And it's going to be – but we know who the three guys are they are going to play. So that's hard. Well, but that's one, I think. Let's start with let's start with Daryl Taylor. We know he's starting at one of those outside linebackers. I think spots. we know the, the no question starting defensive line too. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna. You know, they may not play those three guys. So we're going defense first. Okay, on defense, <laughs> I didn't know if we we're gonna you go offense Ryan, defense first. Ryan determined that we're going to defense. Well, first. no, we're you just asked for known commodities, and that's okay, one that I think let, is one hundred percent start. Trey let, Smith is a known commodity. Let's go, uh, Nigel Warrior. Nigel Warrior at a safety spot. And Wes is writing these down, literally, yeah, and, figuratively. Yeah, and uh, at Mike, we're gonna go ahead and put. Uh, Daniel Batuli there, right? Mm-hmm. At Will, we're going to go ahead and put Corte Sapp in there. Now, with an asterisk, I know everyone out there is saying, what about Darren Kirkland Jr.? He's I a, think it's going to be Sapp. He's a little banged up right now, and you know they've, they've 
Jeremy Pruitt's continued to say it's maintenance days. It's been a, a lot of maintenance yeah, days. Yeah, it's been enough maintenance days that you have to wonder. It's almost a maintenance camp. Yeah, what, what his status is for the opener. So I, I, even if he's ready to play, I think it might be more of a complimentary role to start the season. But I think there, it, his availability is at least in question. And against West Virginia, though, I think they're going to want Sap out there anyway. Yeah. Um, He'll in, play in a lot, lot. Of, in a lot of cases. And, and there's some when they go to a dime, Sap's going to be the linebacker on the field because I think they're going to slide Batuli down uh, to – uh, sort of a pass rush role in some in that situation in those packages. So, uh, yeah, I think we I, know the defensive line too. I feel good about that. And the defensive line, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we're gonna put Shy Tuttle in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think we can we agree on that. Kyle Phillips at one defensive end and Alexis Johnson at the other. Is that what we and, can? And with maybe Johnson being the one that if anyone was to be shuffled out, you could maybe say Emmett Gooden could push him. But yeah, I, I think it's the caveat here with the defensive line is they're going to be playing a lot of four man fronts against West Virginia because right. they're going to be in the nickel and the dime pretty much probably the whole game unless I don't you know I don't know does Dana Holgerson have any sort of like short yardage packages or is it only in the shotgun like are they in the shotgun all the time? Um, so my question is, can you? W- so so I, Phillips is a guy that's interesting to me because are they going to play him as a defensive end? Or are they going to slide him inside and use him as sort of an interior pass rusher? My guess would be Kyle Phillips slides inside and Alexis Johnson maybe bumps out and Tuttle stays in, and then they, they put Taylor and Kongbo on the ends there. Uh, that's just a guess. I, I, I think they're going to – I think it's sort of going to be mix and match based on, on situations. I think on maybe first down and mixed downs they might have yeah. their three defensive linemen and then Daryl Taylor or right. Kongbo on, on one end. That's and I what think I would for, guess. For, for passing downs, uh, maybe they slide – Phillips inside have Tuttle, and maybe they bring in, as you mentioned, Congo or, or in the Dime. I think they'll probably put their four best pass rushers, regardless of who, regardless of position. Uh, and it might be Phillips and, and, and Tuttle. So, uh, along with Batuli and, and one of the outside linebackers, or if they don't, you know, if Batuli needs a break, you probably put an outside linebacker in there. So, I think there's a lot of interchangeable pieces in the front six to seven on this defense, too. But I think in terms of we're saying we're saying ten, eleven guys, right? Yeah. For those seven spots, we feel pretty confident saying they're yeah, going to play. Yeah, th- there's there's guys that are like starter who aren't starters, but are starters essentially. Like Kongbo, I view Kongbo as a starter, even though he may not be out there on the first play and he may not play 50, 60 snaps. Correct. Now here's where things become an S show is in the secondary. I like what you did there because uh, we're not saying the S word. A secondary show. A secondary show. There you go. It's a DB bonanza. We're gonna try right now. We've got Nigel, we got Nigel Warrior at one of the safety spots. We can we can sharpie that in, right? I think we can sharpie Alante and be, uh, Alante Taylor and Balen Buchanan. That's that was the very next thing I was gonna say, but you can just take it. That's okay. Hashtag PB new. It's no big deal. So we know that, and then I think it's also fair to say I I think that um, Bryce Thompson will get some snaps there too. But uh, at nickel and the other safety spot, I'm gonna say right now as a guess. And I don't, I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to say Abernathy for one of the other safety spot and Schamberger at nickel. But that is a that's the, that's a guess. That's the safe guess, I think. And I, I think that's probably what they'll do to start the game if you're looking for. Just I don't, a, I don't even think I don't, that's not a guess for me. I think that's what's going to happen. Okay, I mean, I, Sharpie it. I just TV think, said to Sharpie it. I did, maybe pin. We've seen Schamberger continue to get work at safety though, so I think he maybe plays there some in the game. We'll see. That that's what will be interesting to me is how much they rotate in the secondary. So that's where we, we, we feel pretty confident in about nine to ten of these spots. So, but the other thing about uh, – well, never mind. Go ahead. No, I'll, I want to hear your thoughts on this. No, we need to go to the offense first, and then we can – Well, 
We're gonna. This, this, this is not. I mean, I, do we have any reason right now to believe at this exact moment? Do we have any reason to believe that anyone other than Jarrett Garantano is going to be the quarterback, the no. starting quarterback? No. We don't have a compelling reason to believe otherwise, right? Like, even right. if we're not, maybe we'll put it in like the. Uh, I'm about sixty-five percent confident. That's probably fair. Like, I think he. I'm not gonna put him. I'm not going to put him, like, right next to it. What I've done is, see, the farther away I write someone's name, that's the less sure that, that we are of the situation. So, Garantano, you go. It's a great kinda, system. Yeah, it, it works for me. Foolproof. It works for me. I'll go somewhere between 68 and 70%. I'm, say, I'm a little higher than 65. Nice. I'm, like, 80% sure that it's going to be Garantano to start the game. But I'm also big, pretty big number. But I'm also more than 50-50 on the fact that both will play. Yeah. So, that's that's where I am on that. Running back – it is a total guess. Running back is one spot where I think we can safely say, here are the three guys. These are the three guys who are probably going to get the most touches, right? It's my I'm trying to let me, let me give me a second to combine all their names in a so we can just refer to these people refer to these guys as one entity. Let's see, we've got Let's see. No. To Madre Tai. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, to, it would be like to Madre Nah, but that's not bad. Tamadre Ty. And George uh, Chandon. Or Ty. J-O-R-C-H-A. Ty Mod. Tamadre Chandon. Jordundler. <laughs> that also could work. So we're going to go with the three-man committee there of uh, Timmy Jordan, the Buff Hampshire. And everyone just turn this off. Yep. No, I think that people are fascinated by these things. We're going to go with, in some order, we're going to go Ty Chandler, uh, Tim Tim Jordan, a.k.a. Buff Hampshire. They, and then Madre London. Tamadti Jordlandler. They're fascinated yeah. by our potential nicknaming of the law firm of, of Jordan, London, and Chandler. Yeah. ESQ. To me, there's only one law firm. It was Ben Jarvis Greenhouse. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Here's where we've got a wide receiver, I think. Now, this is just my opinion. It's a rotation. So It's a rotation, but I'm talking about there are two spots where I think I can pretty safely say that if they're healthy, they're going to get the most snaps at this position. I'm going to go Callaway outside. I'm going to go Johnson in the slot. Are you writing those really close to the positions? Or are you writing them pretty close? Away? Pretty darn close. Yeah, pretty darn close. See, I was gonna say this is where the fans are going to sort of sort of lose us on that. They're going to say, "Why not Jawan Jennings?" And that's where I. Well, think- see, that's the third spot. What I've got here on the yeah. third spot is this is a big question. I've talked to a couple people in the program too who also firmly believe this. One of the toughest questions. Now they're both going to play, so it's not like a do or die situation. Right. But the fact is. On one hand, you've got Jawan Jennings, one of just an elite competitor, uh, a really tough guy, a guy who is going to go out there and give you every single thing that he has, and he's probably going to make plays. On the other hand, you've got Josh Palmer, who has been more reliably out there in camp and who has been a pretty good player for a vast majority of this camp. So that is where you've got a tough question. If you're going to go run three out there for the first play, that, to me, is the tough call. I agree. I think that's up for grabs, um, and it depends on Jennings' health. It depends on how he looks on the practice field. I, I could see that one going either way. I really could, and that it, surprises some people, I'm sure. It's going to definitely surprise people because Juwan Jennings, to a lot of people, is the best player, one of the best players on this team. The number one receiver and, in a lot of people's minds. And, and Josh Palmer was a bust already. They've already labeled him a bust. Yeah. Like they think he can't get the job done because he, he – 
had no wide receiver coaching and was a freshman still adjusting to this His level coach wore cleats, though, Patrick. He's headed down the Josh Smith career path in terms of that, like a freshman year that made everybody reach conclusions about him that weren't entirely fair, probably. Yeah, yeah. and so, like, if he goes out there and he starts, people are going to – there's going to be eight threads on our board. Why isn't Jennings starting? Why isn't Jennings starting? Well, first of all, they're going to play. They're both going to play. Secondly, you know, it, it, I think this staff is big on, you know, players earning stuff, and I think Palmer's probably earned – the nod over Jennings at this point, so I don't think it would be surprising if that happened. I had Jennings starting in my depth chart, so now who? I, I think it's probably default. That's just the default thinking, but if Palmer's out there on the first play, I don't know that that should be that big of a shock. I think the team would feel like I think the team would feel fine with either one of those right now because you've got the the reliable guy from camp who's actually got a tremendous amount of upside. I don't think people even understand. Uh, how, how much upside Josh Palmer has as a receiver. He has got every physical skill you could ever want from that position. He just has to make sure he catches the ball, which is the most important thing, but he's got every tool in the bag. I yeah, think. and I think Garantano really likes Palmer. I think he threw a lot threw a lot to him last year, and I remember talking to him you know, before uh, media day last year, and he was like, yeah, I mean, he looks like an NFL receiver. He's going to be really good, and uh, I don't know. you know, I, I think that's somebody that, that, that Garantano trusts. Is, is Palmer, and we've seen, you know, you, you, Tennessee's Twitter account will throw out some, you know, clips and stuff, and we've seen more than I think three times uh, Garantano and Palmer hooking up for for plays. So uh, I think that's that could be a guy that that maybe surprises some people, but I think he'll, I think if he starts, I don't, I don't know that it should be that big of a shot. Maybe it's Palmer that runs the Twitter account. Mm. Ooh, connect the dots. I like it. Here's what I've got now behind this. We're gonna say the guys, the wide receivers that we think actually might also play. Now, I've gotten the fourth one pretty clearly to me is Jennings or Palmer, whichever one doesn't yeah. get out there. Fifth, I'm going to put Jordan Young there. I think he's had a good – Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Murphy. And I think he's had a good camp. Don't don't bring up that name. Tennessee Jordan fans who? don't, don't want to hear about that. That's fair. Uh, Jordan – you get used to it from recruiting because uh, I'm such a recruiting writer. you cover it so closely. That I read the site. Jordan Murphy – uh, is a guy who I think has had a good camp. Didn't and I read think, Patrick's depth chart. And, and I think he is going to play. Yeah, I think he's going to play too. I think he could be the punt returner too. I think. I, I think that's a that was that's another one that's going to surprise some people. Why you know people might be asking why is Marquez Callaway not out there? And Jeremy Pruitt's talked about this week how much he's willing to use starters on special teams. So is it a is it not wanting to use your one of your top receivers at punt returner, or is it just thinking Maybe Jordan Murphy's better? I also like Theo Jackson in that role. Yeah, and those are two guys that have gotten a lot of work there, and we haven't seen Callaway get much work. What about what about Theo Ramey? Do you like Theo Ramey? Yeah, he's got he's got potential. A lot, um, of, a lot of upside there. Yeah, might the be pro- a little walk before then. The, pro- <laughs> the problem is sometimes you have to change diapers during games, and that's that that takes time. So if you are you know, if you're in a situation where it's like See, he doesn't have was, a diaper on, so he's got to go back supposed, there. This was supposed to be like one thing, and then. And you just you you expanded on it needlessly. What with the wide receivers? No, no, no. With uh, with wait, were you talking? Never mind. I don't think that was me. I think you need to point that to Ryan. To be honest with you. No, I think you were talking. I kept this on the I rails. Think you started talking about Grant's child. Yeah. You long, asked about Theo Ramey. I was expecting like a, a one sentence ha ha answer. Not probably a, let people know that I have a son named Theo. It's <laughs> true. Probably, I assume he claims him. He claims him. It's 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 legitimate. It's a legitimate. Thing. If Theo so, Jackson is. The Darius. Yes. So I've started calling Theo, my son, The Darius. <laughs> I like it. House. It's a good name. Who else? So we've got five names at receiver. I, who I else, don't know. Who if else? I don't know if they're going to go beyond that. Honestly. Yeah, I think those five are pretty safe. I think. I think the next two in line are probably Cedric Tillman and Tyler Bird. Yeah. Bird's made a couple plays in camp that 
Here's where I like. There's one story. Yeah, you're gonna get people fired up now. No, the, the, <laughs> here we go. The other day in drills, I really liked that, that Tyler Berg made a really, really, really nice one-handed catch. But uh, wide receivers coach Yak thought that uh, that did not need to be a one-handed catch. He thought there was a better technical way to catch that ball, go high point and get two hands on it. So he, everybody else is congratulating uh, Bird on a really nice catch, and and Yak Johnson's like bro, get back here and get, catch that with two hands and made him do the drill again. So Niedermeyer had a, had a moment like that uh, Wednesday on the practice field. I can't remember who it was. Maybe Princeton fan. I don't know who was running with tight ends this rep. It wasn't. Because Princeton fan plays everywhere. He's like Bugs Bunny in that car. But anyway, he come out of a shoot and, and did a little out, and he just stuck his hand out and caught it. And it was a really nice one-handed catch, and Niedermeyer yelled out of two hands. So, technique. Uh, I, I it, it, I don't know if it's Bird or, or Tillman. I think Tillman, uh, he hadn't dropped a whole lot of passes this this month. I don't think, at least in the route, at least in the stuff that we've seen. Uh, Bird will have good days, and then he'll have days like uh, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday where he just had two bad drops. The ball hit him right in the hands. Yeah, I still think if you need a big play, it might not be the bad worst idea in the world to just put the ball in his hands once or twice just to see if he'll give you something that day. But that's just that's just me thinking out loud. For the uh, tight end, fullback, H back role, I think that is entirely 100% dependent on the formation they're playing. I think Dominic Wood Anderson is a guy who would be a safe pick uh, to be there. Uh, and I think if they're going more uh, of a – say Wood Anderson was one that I was going to sharpie yeah. in. That's, uh, to me, one of the most certain ones on the team. Well, to me, unless they go out there – if they go out there in a two-back, no tights look, I think you're going to see yeah. Pope in yeah, that yeah. role. That's true. I'm, I'm saying Eli, Eli Pope. <laughs> Eli, Eli, Eli Pope Wolf. I'm saying when there's a Poof, tight end Eli out Poof. there that's not a fullback – yeah, and I think you're going to see if it's Austin Pope, if it's a fullback, and then I also think that uh, Eli Wolf is going to get a bunch of snaps too. That's my. What about the Cowboy caller? I think Blake, listen, Blake, listen. Blakely, Blakely's probably the number two fullback. I think in some goal line packages or the number one fullback. Get the Cowboy. Caller. He's the number one fullback in West's heart, though. If he doesn't get a one yard touchdown plunge this season, at some point, I'm going to lose my mind. You got a number forty eight at fullback with a Cowboy caller. He's getting a one yard touchdown run. That's it. That's it. Full stop. That has to happen. It has to. If you're listening to this podcast, Jeremy Pruitt, and I know you're not, but because uh, unlike the previous coach, you don't care really what we say. What's a if, podcast? If you, what, what is that? If if you were listening to this, give the Cowboy Caller a one-yard touchdown run if you want to win anything significant. I'm I telling hope, you, it, it's, it's mandatory. I hope he goes jersey over Cowboy Caller for games. Oh, yeah, he got to. Got to. It's okay got to have it out in practice. So everybody. Knows oh, no, I think you just have it out there like a, like a boss. Oh, no. You no. have the jersey over it. That's a neck roll, not a cowboy collar. You can't. No, you, can't no, go, you can go cowboy yeah. collar. Trust me. <laughs> Don't fight me on this. Looks kind of stupid. I think Grant's a Bears fan. He knows. He wrote the book on cowboy collars. That's fair. Wait, how, no. How does that? Any, how is that? Mid, mo- Grant, mo- monster think, of the mid monsters of the midway. I think Grant used to play with the cowboy collar. Is what he's saying. I did have a neck roll. <laughs> But it, it wasn't a cowboy collar. It was a just cornerback a, with a cowboy collar. Was it was, was it mandatory or did I'm you just like want? When I was in grade school, <laughs> was it mandatory? Or did you just want to look cool? No, it, they just gave it to you. I remember the old the old backboards back in the day. I miss those. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking? about? It was just yeah, like the straight the board, up. straight up. If you were if you were a linebacker and you had one of those, you were Florida. Probably, Florida always had a middle yes. linebacker, number yes. fifty five, <laughs> and he always had a huge collar on his. I'm, neck. I'm I'm pretty sure that Kevin Simon was the last one to, to to sport the cowboy collar in a in a Tennessee uniform. So that will be nice to see. So we've got most of the situation with the skilled players discussed now. I'm going to feel pretty good about putting Trey Smith at left tackle on the offensive line. Any so concerns? far, yeah, so far we haven't seen anything different. So I think that's that's probably fair. Now that said, we're not going to see a whole lot of practice for the last, you know, 
for, for this weekend. Yeah. So that that's perhaps in perpetuity for the rest of yeah. the pro era. We'll so, see. So maybe they maybe they start working on some different stuff behind the scenes because they do have so many different options now in the offensive line, offensive line. Which isn't that crazy? We're talking about the depth they now have on the O line after everyone was so concerned all off season. Yeah, I just think now that now that Trey Smith is back and they've put him out there and and they've seen okay, he looks like he, he looks mostly like Trey right now. Yeah. I think him at left tackle just makes the most well, sense. And, I think it's the safest thing to do. And we've seen them kicking Drew Richmond over to right tackle in some, which is what I was gonna and some drills do. for a few several days now. So that, I think that was obviously preparing for Trey Smith to to move in at left tackle, and that's what we've seen so far. So those two I feel pretty good about. I, I feel pretty good about putting Brandon Kennedy sure. at center and Ryan Johnson at right guard. Any complaints there? That seems to be they, – they seem to be keeping Johnson and Richmond together, which I wonder if there's some thought to that, that maybe Johnson next to Richmond helps reduce some mental errors because Johnson's the kind of guy that – he's pretty sharp. Maybe he can or you just want, or, or you just want – you want uh, those Tennessee guys up front together. How about that? Sure. When, when Brandon Kennedy was – when he got here, when he was signed, it was a big deal, but I think it's even bigger now Yeah. looking back because if you don't have him at center – I mean, he's been penciled in at center basically – since the day they got on the practice field. Yep. If you don't have him there, there's probably a lot more pieces moving around. And when you look at it, that's there's probably no one position they really could have used someone more than that because yeah. there was nobody else even that they've gotten back that was a natural fit at center. They because were Ryan Johnson can play it, but he's like 6'6". Six, six. He's, not, he's not quite that tall, but he's... he's Pretty sure he's 6'6". Six, 6'4", six. Six, or 5", he's in that range. But he, he would have been he would have been your best fit there at center, I think, and that that's probably where they would have gone. I'm going here to fact check. Wes, Wes is going to the official roster. Google machine. As if no one exaggerates on those ever. Hey, Tennessee's actually been much Wes closer to accurate. I'm surprised Wes even know what Google is. I'm just going to let that slide. Here's some bad and radio. This is the first cowboy color I had. The old Eric, <laughs> Eric Dickerson. Uh, just that hunk of rubber that went around your neck. There you go. Ryan Johnson listed at 66302. He's also he's listed at the same height as Trey Smith. This is Wes flipping his back. So, <laughs> He's a tall guy. He's so, tall. Yeah. He's taller than your average center. Let's put yeah. it that way. Is, is my only point. So, Fair. and Grant's point was a really good one. You got Kennedy at center. That allows you to move other pieces around. Now, sure. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna write this one in the same column as the rest of them. This one's gonna go a little bit to the right, which, as you remember, means I'm less certain about it. My guess right now, left tackle or left guard season starts today. I say Riley Locklear, but that's I just. Agree. I agree. That's just We've heard on of, my end. That's a guess. There was a lot of Jerome Carvin buzz, as Patrick pointed out in our in our Good Balls twenty four seven roundtable this week. A lot of buzz going into camp and coming out of spring practice about him. Maybe there's a reason for. Maybe we just haven't been talking to enough of the right people to hear his name. But his name hasn't come up as much, and you you have to wonder if he's ready to start as a true freshman. I think he'll play this year. It's just a matter of whether he's in there to start the season. Right now, I would probably go with Locklear, like you said. Here's what's interesting to me. You've got – you start looking at the offensive line here and the depth options. I'm not saying that that it's going to be a great situation here for Tennessee, but if you look at this right now, if I I pencil in those five names right there that that we just said, that leaves the following guys out of that lineup. Mark Stadium. Chance Hall, Jerome Carvin, Marcus Tatum, Jameer Johnson. And, and, Cal- and Calvert, K-Ron Calvert. And, and Calvert. That, that's five. So you have a legitimate two deep, essentially. Of guys some, that, in some combination or some form, you've got a two deep of guys that you feel. You could put, put in a game and feel reasonably comfortable. Yeah, like they're not going to embarrass you out there. They're going to play pretty pretty decent football. But compare that 
second unit with what they were throwing out there as a second unit back in the spring. Yeah. When you're throwing oh, that, out guys like, you know, walk, you had a couple walk-ons, you had Ollie Lane in that group. That second unit could have started for them this spring at times. Yeah, probably could have. And that, so, so that to me is, the, that's a... And, that, and that's a position, I think, that's another one of those know, positions. And, and we didn't even mention Devontae Brooks, and he has played football at the SEC level for Tennessee. He, We're not even mentioning him, but he's been... Yeah, he's been banged up. He's But uh, he's been back the past few days. But, you know, there's a guy. That's an 11th guy. They're guy. not. They're, they wouldn't be plugging a walk on there. He's a guy. If it came down to that. Can we agree on that? I mean, they're not... No. If that's your 11th or 12th best lineman right now, hey, that's I can think of worse things in the world. He started a tackle in, for, in an SEC game. Yeah, so. and I think the positions, uh, position groups that I think may evolve the most maybe over the first month of the season. I think offensive line is a candidate because yep. I think they're going to continue to tinker with the, that group until they get uh, the right five. I'm interested to see if they're going to play different guys in games. or right. if, you know, Will they rotate there? That's usually a position group where you don't want to do that a lot, but they could. Yeah, I mean, the, the previous staff would not. They only did it if they had to. Um but yeah, this, for the four of us, the four of us. Go ahead. I'm interested to see if the staff is going to – are they going to go into a series and say, hey, we're going to get Calvert in the game at left guard and see what happens. We need, are, are we we need we gonna, between the four of us a, 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 a guy whose job during games is to make sure that the, he's charting the O-line on every snap because we, we forget to do that sometimes because you're like, oh, that's the first few series. And then it's like, hey, when did Locklear get in the game? You know, because they might do some stuff like that. Yeah, and, and – I think the secondary could uh, change a little bit too as, as some of these guys, maybe like a Bryce Thompson, uh, gets better. As a Trayvon Flowers gets more comfortable and gets his feet wet, uh, those could be guys that, that make pushes. Kelly, Todd Kelly. Um, you know, we'll see if Kelly, we'll see what kind of role he has. Um, again, they're going to have different sub packages and stuff. And so uh, I think they're going to do whatever combination gets their best five on the field. And, you know, it's interesting. It, it seems. It seemed very obvious that the safeties and the, and the nickel and, 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 and the money spots are sort of interchangeable. But Bailey McCann said last week that they're all kind of working at different spots too. So I wonder if some of those corners learning, could maybe slide yeah, over learning to learning concepts, not positions. So I wonder if, you know, I wonder if one of those corners could slide over to, um, you know, one of the nickel spots. So, you know, a point I wanted to make earlier when we were talking about the defense is that we talked about how much they're going to be in dime. Well, who's their sixth guy right now? Is it Flowers? Is it is it do they I, slide Buchanan over to one of those slot corner spots and then bring Bryce Thompson in? Is there another guy here that, that maybe was sneaking under the radar? Yeah, that I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not so sure. Todd Kelly wouldn't come on the field in a dime package Ke- and play yeah, safety. Ke- Kelly could be dime, safety. I think I would, he probably would. Vote on Bryce Thompson first and Flowers second. I'd probably yeah. go Flowers. I I think that kid's the real deal. He's been they're, pretty good, especially when, he's, gonna, when, you, loves him. when, you, are, when you look at how little football he's played. Those are two names, I think, when Pruitt yeah. says there are young guys that might not start but For could sure. contribute later on. Those are like the prime Bryce Thompson to me candidates. Is, Bryce Thompson to me is a guy who, if he can get up to speed, he could start seven or eight games as a true freshman. And make some big plays. He's got some ability. That's mm-hmm. a talented That's a talented kid. And, and when you when you look at how little football Flowers has played, I mean that in a complimentary way, not in a yeah. negative way. His best football is 100% in front of him. He and, could be and playing he, baseball at Kentucky yeah, right now. He, he didn't he focus on football at all. Nice, nice, nice prospect. And, and here, here's what's interesting to me. This was my point. Looking at all of this, I wondered going into camp whether Tennessee would have anything resembling quality depth at some places. And what's interesting to me is I think, I think they, they passed might. that test. I think they, well, there's a couple of positions. I think you worry you, you, you lose defensive line defensive line definitely oh and then, yeah and every program inside, line, inside linebacker too if 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 the deal with Kirkland is any sort of long term deal you're going into Ign- the season with Ignite, Batuli, 
and Good Sap. Play some. And yeah. then, I, to me, I think Ignat's got a, a ways to go. I think there's I, a decent drop-off there. I don't think he's ready to be a starter. And then behind them, I think it's even more bleak. I'm not, I'm not sure we mentioned DeAndre Johnson's name much, but he's also a big yeah. player who's going to play some. For, yeah, outside for linebacker, I think yeah. they're okay. I think Jordan Allen and DeAndre Johnson are guys that – Jordan Allen and a sub-package could be nasty. Yeah. Though. So. Allen, Allen could help them a little more than I thought maybe going into this, uh, he's this looked, camp. He's looked much more comfortable yeah. in camp than he was in spring. He, in the spring, he looked like a new guy who wasn't quite sure what was going on. Here's Here here was what I was trying to say earlier and probably should have taken fewer words to say it. My concern going into camp at a lot of spots was with whether they could get some quality depth. And, and I think that at some positions, I think they've got decent depth at least compared to – now when you look at the roster when they inherited it and what they've get done now in one year, I think they've done a good job fortifying this. My bigger concern is not how much quality depth they have. It's how good is the first team. That's my question. It's not a matter of if you've got – I don't want to call this the sack of potato stuff here, but how many guys out here are really, really going to play good football against elite competition and give you game-changing kind of plays because you're going to need that and where – in this group, do they have enough of that? Well, I think it's hard to tell with this team because uh, in, in some situations you've got guys like Alante Taylor, like Wood Anderson, like Kennedy, who are new to this level. They're newcomers. They're clearly guys that this staff trusts. Uh, and we don't know how, how – they've never played on this level. I mean, Kennedy's played some, but he's not played a whole lot. We don't know how good they are. And, you know, we, we've – the newcomer we maybe know the most about is Madre Lennon because he played a lot of, at Michigan State. Yep. But, you know what you're going to get, solid player. But it's hard to get a read on a lot of some of these returning guys because, I mean. You don't know how much to blame the old yeah, staff. I, mean, last season, blame I do, la- a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last season is, on one hand, it's really hard to get out of your memory because that team was awful. It was the worst team in Tennessee history. It's pretty bad. You know, but how much of that was, you know, are, are these players that? Or are they, are there, you know, right. can this staff turn these guys to much better versions of themselves? So I, and I feel like. I don't know. I feel like it's hard to, to count uh, what happened last year against some of these players, against the Garantanos and the Callaways and so on and so forth. But at the same time, it's really hard to think, are they going to make that big of a leap just because of a coaching change? It could happen. I mean, Auburn one year went from 3-9 and nine to playing for the national championship. Cam Newton. No. What not? no or was, oh, was, that, was that the Nick Marshall was year? Nick Marshall, and he was a cornerback playing quarterback. Yeah. So. That's right. Uh, but they also had good what, call. They also had what, like three run, three NFL running backs on yeah. the team. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, and I, they also I, had the uh, kick six and the. Oh, well, they also the one of the luckiest the teams in Auburn history, which saying something because they, they always have lucky teams. On their side. But um, yeah, that, that's I'm, I'm wondering. But it, it just it seems almost like it's really hard to get last year. It is out of your head because we I said going into last season that team was going to be about whether they could identify the next generation of stars to replace Dobbs, Sutton, Reeves, maybe and all those guys. They didn't really do that at most positions. And that's or they had some guys and either misused them or they got hurt. Or they got hurt. And yeah. so this year it's all about to those guys who a lot of them are former big-time prospects, so you get why fans might be optimistic. But is there another gear in those players from what we saw last year? Can they take another step? And if, there's, if they can't improve that much, it's hard to see this team being yeah. very good. The buy-in factor is relevant. And, and, and I, I think I, they've, I, it looks like they've bought in. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like they've bought in. They're saying all the right things. I, I think that – we are we've articulated this over the past several months, I think, pretty thoroughly. But just in case you've not been paying attention, I think that head football coach last season lost control of every single facet of the program. He was emotionally a disaster. 
He tried I to. I West Coast on these teams. He worried about the wrong things all the time. This this is a relevant point. Where's no, my, I'm not saying it's not. And, where's, and, where's my popcorn? And when you do that, when you're worried about the wrong things, when you're emotionally all over the place, when you are fighting for your job and consistently focusing on things other than the things that will help you keep your job, you're telling things to players that aren't true. You're telling things to, to media and, and fans that aren't true. When you're basically predetermining starting yes. jobs and things like that. There were so many reasons, and I'll be candid about this. Last season, that whole incident with, with Nigel Warrior and Shy Tuttle. There was the falling on the helmet. The incident. falling on the helmet incident. There were a couple players that that your people who were in the program talked to and, and said, "Why did y'all not make a bigger deal of that in the locker room?" I mean, you got a guy doing something that seems to step over a line in terms of what's okay for like a, a spat and what's not. And the guy said, basically, one of them sort of subtly said it, and the other one just came out and said it. It's like, man, do you have any idea how many fights there were last season? He goes, it was one big fight all the time. Well, and, and so that that there was such disorganization. It was, there was sh- such it was disjointed. There was no unity camaraderie in the program. And when you put when you start putting people back on the same page, when you do what you do in the spring with with Pruitt, which is sort of you know tearing them down, and then you try to start building them back up. To Patrick's point, that that's the great mystery: how many of these people. Now that they're being managed, we assume more appropriately, how much better will they be? I, I will say this. Uh, you can't go by fights because there's some really good football teams that have, have fights. In their yeah, but what I heard was that last season there was a little bit more of that and it was a little nastier than it normally yeah. is because there was that, so much tension and I'm stress. I'm sure that's fair. And, yeah, and when things are going badly, you, you're going to have more of that. And so, yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, but that, that is worth noting that a, a fight in a football locker room I mean, that that happens. Yeah, but you're usually not. You're usually not. You know, injuring your players. You're usually not. Yeah, taking going at the face with a helmet. Like that's a little bit. That's a different. I don't don't know that he did. For what? Well, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that level of nastiness. You know, you you had a guy kicking another guy in the head on the field. You're, you know, one of your best defensive players kicking one of your best offensive players, stomping him on the field. Yeah, and things like that. That just, if you have some organization. And some discipline in your program that does not well, happen. It well, was, and we we've heard players. I mean, d- just this week, um, you know, Brandon Johnson talking about Jeremy Pruitt, just kind of player you want to you want to play for. I think every, everything about this staff so far, again, we've said it has been a breath of fresh air, and that's 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 got to result in some optimism for this team. Now, the key to me is that that's why I think this team needs something good to happen in the first month of the season. They need yep. to, they need to beat West Virginia or Florida to get this team the belief that what happened last year was an aberration and that they aren't that team anymore. I think that's fair. And and I think that when you the one the word Brandon Johnson said and I mean I I kind of teed him up to say it so I'm not saying I was fishing for this answer you but put he put words in his mouth. But he did use job. the word he cast the line. He used the word direct. He used the word direct. Mm-hmm. Pruitt is direct in the way that he deals with you and he is tough on you, but it's for a reason. Almost. And and these guys seem to understand why these coaches are telling them what they're telling them. Almost stunningly direct. I think it's, it's, it puts players at ease because they're, it's so unusual for them to hear it because most people have been BSing players it's, as recruits and all that for years. And when a, when a coach comes in and if Jeremy Pruitt was here, he might walk up to you and say, Wes, your beard looks ridiculous. Nice yeah. to meet you. Yeah. Basically. And I mean, he would be wrong. He would be factually incorrect, <laughs> but he would he would make I his mean, point. I mean, the new Sentinel 
did an interview with Prude's wife. Uh, her name escapes Casey. me. Casey. Casey. And one of her quotes in the story was, you don't have to read into anything. What he says is what he says, yeah. and that's what he means. And if you're reading into it, you're wasting your time. And, and that's, you know, that's that's the Nick Saban way is being direct. And, you know, it rubs some people the wrong way, but, you know, you can't argue with the results it's gotten Saban. And you know, it hasn't gotten many of his assistants. Be but direct and crap players. We, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> we've, Again, we've, we did, he didn't use the S word that Saban used right. earlier this week. We've seen it in recruiting, though. You know, he he called in a few in-state players earlier this year, sat down on a visit and watched film with them and basically told them all the ways he thought they needed to get better. And how often do players hear that? And he did it in such a way that the players came away saying, I kind of like that. He's yeah. honest. And so it, it he, he wants me to it, be the best I can be. And so when you're a current player for him, I think you like it even more because, A, you're getting better from the things he's pointing out to you all the time, but, B, not many people have been that honest with you in the past. A lot of these kids don't, you know, I think they'd rather deal with that approach than feel it, feeling like they're getting BS. Yeah. Well, and it helps that he's coming from the program and success. True, but but he, he also is. doesn't, you know, he's not done that as a head coach. So. No, he hasn't. But but the fact that he does have that resume of yeah. producing good players and winning championships as an assistant, people say, hey, that, that's worth something. It's like what one of the players said, you know, you and, and Kongbo said it a couple weeks ago and somebody else said it this week. You don't have to. Yes. You, you know, you, you don't have to guess and you you know exactly what it's going to be and you when this staff came here you didn't have to google who most of them were because they recruited a lot of these guys to other places there were a lot of things that they did and they just knew that resume They're like oh bama's defensive coordinator yeah give me some of that it's not that difficult like will friend is no line coach give me some of that it's not hard to look at this and say yeah, I'd like, I'd like that. That he's sounds not, good. I'll have that. He's not just selling Antonio Brown and Travis Kelsey over and over. Ouch, right. Look That's at that. Wes's territory. <laughs> the top row. Like I'm the only one who's ever critical. People's elbow. You know? I mean, it's, that's Wes, here's what y'all are doing. Y'all are feeding into the public hysteria here that I'm the only one who like, no, will no, be no. like, this is, this, this is crap. Let's call no, crap let's what it, it is. We heard, about, we heard about those two players all the time. I agree. And, and Eric Fisher. So, like, there were three players. And Jeremy Pruitt can point to eight players – Pictures of them in the office. That were in this year's NFL draft first round. Texting screenshots uh, to to media members of situations where the, they were mentioning you. Like, there's all sorts of things that, that were that – When's the book When's the book coming out? Yeah. Uh, you know what? At this point, I don't even really care enough to write it. It's like, who cares? Butch wins. <laughs> you, you know what? You win out of exhaustion. I'm done with this. That's basically – you know, by the end, I was just go figure. I just wore out meh. more importantly, in in other non Butch Jones news, uh, for those of you who are wondering, and I know most of you are, I really cannot believe it took forty six minutes into this podcast for us to get to this. But uh, JJ Peterson still where Grant? Uh, not here, not present, well, uh, absent. As of this recording, that is. Now we are. This is just before Thursday's practice. So for all we know, we'll go out there and. This information will be obsolete by tomorrow. But up to this point, no sign of J.J. Peterson. We've not heard of him enrolling. And obviously at this point, classes have started. You know, fall semester classes started Wednesday. Um, he essentially has until the end of the month, the end of next week, to enroll. Because these are student athletes. Before the, yeah, before the drop-add deadline for fall semester classes. And, yeah, so he, he's, he's not out of time, but time is certainly winding down, and that's – uh, you know, people have wondered, is he, is he not coming? What's the latest? You know, we still don't know anything. Jeremy Pruitt 
this week, you know, still acted optimistic that he might be here. But I think with each day that passes, you have to wonder, is this happening this year? And Pruitt's, I don't know if anyone, if any coach has a 100% uh, honesty track record. I, I I think it's kind of funny that we're, we're still talking about maintenance days for Darren Kirkland Jr. when yeah. he hasn't really practiced in like more than a week. But, you know, in, in general, Pruitt has been pretty honest in the way that he has expressed things to us. So if he still believes that well, Peterson is going to get in, that probably means there's a pretty decent chance he's going to get in. As someone pointed out on the checkerboard, there are a couple of things here. You know, one, you just want to express – in a situation like this where a player still might have something in, in his hands, you want to show faith in him and, and hope that it works out so that you're showing – so that when he is your player, you know, he knows you had faith in him the whole time that he was going to be there. Uh, two, you're downplaying a potential PR storm that's not on top of you yet. So why, why make it a big deal? Oh, yeah, we're worried. You know, you don't have to say that now. And then three, um, you've got to worry about the fact that you may have to recruit this guy again if he were to have to go to the junior college ranks. Yeah, if, in the worst-case scenario. If you were going to say that J.J. Peterson was not going to get in, I think uh, right in the middle of the Urban Meyer press conference would have been the yeah. primo time to <laughs> – Drop that nugget, little send out a press release. Yeah, little little PR one hundred and one there, little lesson. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's it is what it is. He's not here yet, and Tennessee still has faith, claims to have faith that he'll be here. I don't think that it's really in JJ Peterson's hands right now. I think it's the the stuff he needs to do on his end is done. It's just a matter of getting some well, of the things approved. Well, does he have the grade? We don't know that yet. We don't know if he has the grade. He How would needs. you not have? The, I mean. Whether you, whether you had the whether it was a good enough or bad enough grade or, or wasn't, wouldn't you have the grade by now? It just seems like it's a matter of processing. Yeah, that don't know any and sort of appeal or getting it through the house, not the clearinghouse, but whatever it is. Yeah, now. that's that's the problem. Is we're not sure at what stage this is. You know, we're not sure if he could have tried to retake a class again or something like that to to get the grade he needs. But it, it was obviously a needing to get a certain score, as of the last we heard, um, well, and, and, well, Pruitt, and also getting that approved. Pruitt mentioned on Saturday after the scrimmage that I think he was, said he was still finishing up a class, but earlier this, uh, on Wednesday he mentioned, first time he mentioned the clearinghouse, and it's not the clearinghouse anymore. Don't call it the clearinghouse. It's the NCAA eligibility Call it whatever I want to call it. Um, but that's the first time he's kind of mentioned that. That so, is true. And, and that's something that, that uh, Peterson's coach, uh, Rush Hopes, mentioned to me when I talked to him a few weeks ago was that, there's that aspect of it too, um, as well. So Tennessee could just be waiting on something on that end, but they could. Um, you know, I, I think he's. You know, it's it's gotten to the point now where it could go either way. Well, and let's let's say this: he, we knew, I guess, going into the summer that JJ Peterson was a guy who still might have some work to do. And I always kind of thought, if you get him in this year, if he plays as a freshman, that's a that's a great situation. At this point, you're just trying to get him here so you don't have to recruit him again. You, you want him to not have to go back through the recruiting process. Even if you thought he might end up back at Tennessee in a couple of years, you don't want him to have to go to junior college. And I don't know what his other options might be if he doesn't get in uh, this month, but certainly junior college would be one of them. And you don't want it to come to that point. So if you're Tennessee, at this point, you're not worried about whether he makes an impact as a freshman. You just want to get him here to avoid having to re-recruit the same player in two years. And at this point, best case scenario, he gets here soon. He's doing nothing for West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, you're hoping to get him some snaps against ETSU and UTEP, and then you're hoping he's kind of caught up to speed a little bit. I mean, if he gets here soon, the next three weeks would basically be his training camp. And that's if he's up to speed coming off shoulder surgery. Right, this right. If, that's, if he's ready to go 100% to play football, mm -hmm. you're at, hoping at best to have somebody that can make an impact maybe against Florida. Well, I think that that's fair, and, and – you know, he's going to get here or he's not. And I know everyone wants to know the answer right now, right this second. And 
we are certainly hoping to get the answer to because you know what guys we're we're tired of this whole story line he's gonna <laughs> get in or he's not we don't we can only get updates from jeremy pruitt once a week or twice yeah, a week we're, so. we're not we don't have access to his academic files to tell you exactly what <laughs> yeah. they're, they're waiting on there are privacy rules that, that have access to him there are yeah. privacy <laughs> rules that prevent these sorts of things so we will get the news to you as quickly as possible what we can tell you though uh, is that in the past week uh tennessee has had a good 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 week on the recruiting trail i think tennessee's picked up two commitments since the last podcast we recorded, uh, there was uh, on August 17th, picked up uh, Jalen McCullough, a four-star uh, safety there from Hills, Hill Grove High School in Powder Springs in the Atlanta area. Of course, isn't all of Georgia in the Atlanta area these days, uh, but he is a big-time player, 131 overall in the composite, uh, big-time addition there. And then Tennessee, just earlier this week, picked up another commitment, this one from a three-star offensive lineman from uh, Whitehaven High School in what, what town, Patrick? He's not by his microphone, but Memphis would be the answer. Patrick, just to completely, you you I'm checked sorry, what out. What did you say? He's not listening. I was gonna. I gave you a tee you up to, to say you Memphis. Need to stop talking about Memphis. You need to get Memphis out your mouth. That's Ooh. what I'm saying. That's where he's from. Yikes. Melvin McBride from Whitehaven High School in Memphis, Tennessee, also the, known as the Haven. The Haven. Yeah, T H A. Pretty cool that their jerseys get to say that. By the way, pa- Patrick and I were just there a few months ago and talked with Melvin at his at his school. And you talked to Melvin. I talked yeah. to a couple other guys, including uh, Monte Hamilton, Hamilton, who committed to Ohio State. Yep. Uh, yeah, Ryan's pretty good at that. I'm going to talk to this five star, and you go get this walk on uh, linebacker the, with. They were I'm both, just kidding. They were both I'm three stars. Kidding. I'm just kidding. But we'll, we'll get to this uh, quickly. Uh, Ryan, Ryan and Grant were both at the uh, commitment I celebration. Was not the so that's why I briefly stepped. <laughs> yeah, that's why. That's why you're you're gone again. You're you're booted. But uh, Ryan and Grant, y'all were at the Jalen McCullough announcement. Yeah. Uh, what was that like? What was that experience like? And uh, what kind of player, person uh, is Tennessee getting here? The floor is yours. Well, you know, first of all, um, Grant can speak to this. I, I, we, you see a lot of these announcements, and you see it done a number of different ways. Obviously, there's, it's almost a cliche now, the announcement of a college decision that was made usually days in advance. Um, you know, a, a predetermined announcement, just how, how are you going to do it, basically, is what it comes down to. I thought Jalen McCullough's was one of the cooler announcements I've seen in a while because um, the way he did it was what was nice, just kind of unzipping his jacket to reveal a Tennessee shirt. But the genuine excitement that his teammates had for him and that he had for his teammates, because three, uh, three of his teammates announced that day he wanted to make sure to do it together, and he, he orchestrated TV coverage for them and made it made a point to – to, to ask the TV station that was there, hey, please show these guys on there too. That's a big, that was a big deal to him. But to see that and to see his classmates and his teammates be that excited for him, I think it shows you that he's a high-character kid. He, he reminds you a little bit in a way of Micah Abernathy or someone like that, a guy who's just really well-liked by everyone that he, that he comes across. Uh, and he just so happens to be a really good football player on top of that. So I, I think it's a nice pickup for Tennessee, one of those guys you take any day. Uh, and I think he's going to compete for early playing time. Also getting in uh, in January as of right now, an early enrollee. But Grant, uh, that, that was the thing that stood out to me covering that announcement was just how excited he and everyone else was. Yeah, and you heard going in that he didn't like the recruitment process. He didn't really want the attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he just wanted to play high school football, and, and he'll, he'll, do his, he'll do his decision and stuff on the side and, and not have it as the focal point. And that showed. I mean, he, the guys that, he made those guys go before him. Mm-hmm. Two of them committed to Mercer, and one of them committed to Coastal Carolina. And Jalen was over there losing his mind, yep. excited for them. And he did. And, and Ryan's right about the TV coverage. I mean, he wanted the 
the, the news cameras that were there, he wanted them to talk to his teammates too and include them in that moment. And that was a, that says a lot about the kid. That's, that's, a, that's a mature move and a, somebody described him kind of as an old head, uh, an old soul kind of guy, uh, mature beyond his year. He certainly seemed uh, very mature uh, in that. I wonder moment. if those other teammates, why they wouldn't just wait a little bit and see if some bigger schools got into play. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, they could flip later, I'm sure. But, like, I mean, come on. I mean, who commits, to an, to, go? who commits to an FCS program this early? Have some dreams. Have some faith in yourself. Yeah. Go Recruiting get a, guru, West Go get a big-time yeah, offer. Go get a big-time offer. Go go play your mind out and go get a go get a big-time offer. If any of you are interested in West Rucker training you, you can contact him at. Um, yeah. Um, it's going to be a, hey, uh, I've got some yard work that, that, that I could use some help with. What? You know, if y'all want to do that, we got some. <laughs> kind of sounds like your yard should be like. Looking pretty good by now. Yeah, um, going down a very weird road. If you'll look out there, I think it actually kind of is. But that's another. <laughs> uh, if it is, then anyway, great. Melvin McBride. Well, I was gonna say one other thought on Jalen McCullough. I'll, listen, listen, listen. I'll I'll de- I'll decide when we go on to Melvin McBride. So so let's 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 talk about Melvin McBride now. No, no. What other thing on Jalen McCullough? See, I decide nothing. Tennessee. What's the point of even hosting this thing? What is the point? <laughs> Tennessee beat out South Carolina for me. I know some people asked on the board last week. You know why was Georgia not involved? Alabama was one of his finalists, but didn't didn't push for him down the stretch. I don't think he was a, a take for them. So people say, "Oh no, Georgia didn't want him. Alabama didn't want him. Why should Tennessee want him?" This is exactly the kind of recruiting battle that Tennessee needs to be winning right now. South Carolina, Auburn, those are the schools that are that are for the most part going to be Tennessee's competition until they can get back to that point of winning nine or ten games a year. So to win another one of these battles, and they've been in several with South Carolina and Auburn this year. I think it's a big deal. I, I, I know you want to beat out Georgia and Alabama for, for kids, but at the end of the day, these are the ones you need to win. And for them to win another one, I think it's a, it's a nice pickup for Tennessee. Um, Melvin, Melvin McBride, another one of those guys they ended up uh, battling another SEC school for, uh, Arkansas. And this one was interesting, Grant, because at one, when you know he announced on his Twitter account Monday night that he was announcing his decision next week. Um, so he, he hinted at something coming sooner, uh, but not necessarily right away. And then... You know, the first thing you started to hear in the first 12 hours or so was it, it might be Arkansas. And we thought that might at first be because Tennessee didn't have room for another offensive lineman. As it turned out, I, I think he might have just been leaning toward Arkansas at the beginning. And by the end of it, kind of just in, ended up with Tennessee. And, and it was sort of torn on what to do at first. But I think a very nice pickup for Tennessee. This is a guy I really like, uh, has a lot of upside. He's a bit raw because he's only played one year of football. But to me, he, he's got a chance to be one of the better offensive linemen in what's now a four and, and could end up being a five offensive lineman class. Uh, extremely, extremely athletic, uh, if I'm not mistaken, based on what his coach said. Yep. Uh, I can't remember who wrote that story, somebody in our network. Uh, Steve Wiltfong, yep. And, uh, I mean, Barton Simmons loves him as a prospect, uh, talking about the athlete he is, the basketball background he has, uh, wh- kind of what the upside he could have as a prospect. And I mean, you can't get enough in-state talent if you want somebody and you can win that battle. Uh, that's really, really big. And, you know, especially on the offensive line, I look at guys that Tennessee, and this is a, the previous staff too, but especially with this staff, guys they've seen in camp and can vouch for after seeing them in person. And both with Chris Aparogane that they got this summer and with Melvin McBride, both essentially in Aparogane's case, but both in-state guys they saw in camp, signed off on, really liked. And in McBride's case, I think they essentially have taken decide now they're willing to maybe take five offensive linemen because you're obviously saving a spot for Dar- Darnell Wright, the five-star offensive tackle. You're willing to take a fifth offensive lineman essentially because you like Melvin McBride that much, and I think that's a, a big statement for, for how, how high his upside is, and I think it's a really nice pickup for Tennessee in-state. I did laugh when I heard about his basketball background because it's like, um, kid, you're 6'2", 300. At what point did you decide, 
Maybe basketball is not the sport for me. <laughs> well, if you don't know, Memphis is a big basketball. Oh, city. I understand that, but he, Zion he, Williamson <laughs> would disagree. I, I understand because he weighs two eighty five and he can dunk from the foul line. Is he six foot two though? I don't know what he is. So I'm just saying six two three hundred. It's like, bro, I think a different sport's calling your name. You might want to pick up the phone. You can play just a, a thought. Yeah, you can play in the post with the recruiting guru and basketball <laughs> back on the pulpit. Crazy for me to suggest that if you're six two three hundred, it's just asinine for me to think that if you're six two three hundred, maybe football would be a sport more naturally suited for you How, than basketball. Throwing his arms around like the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing <laughs> tube man. Yeah, that's my lane. How about this? I was I was just talking with Joe Dubin this week on on uh, Nashville radio. He mentioned we'd both been at K Ron Calvert's announcement in high school. He mentioned that K Ron Calvert is about the biggest guy at around six four that he's ever seen dunk a basketball. Um, so you can play in the post effectively and not be absurdly tall, but obviously Callahan. But big difference between six two and six four in basketball. Yeah, I don't think a lot of SEC programs are knocking down the door of a six two three hundred pound post yeah, man. That's fair. Michael Orr was six four and he was a dominant basketball player. I watched Double with Callahan. my own eyes. He just <laughs> West just got dunked on by Patrick and yeah, Brandt. Yeah, throwing, because, because throwing all, the ball on the block. I'm, 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 I'm serious. Y'all should go be college basketball coaches, get a big-time <laughs> job, and then be like, you know, I, I, need, I need some more 6'2", 300 guys on my team. Just That's what I need. picture Ryan's flexing on West right now. That's all I need is some – you know what You know what this team could really use? A 6'2", 300-pound guy in the post. That would really that would really put us we're – we're a bubble team now, but if we had that guy, my God, we could cut down the nets. We could win the whole freaking thing. Uh, on, a, on a different note, Tennessee now in the top He's ten. He's caps now. Now in the top 10 in the 24-7 sports team rankings uh, going into the season with 20 commitments. I know everyone's thinking, yeah, this class is getting close, to, getting close to finish. You know, what, how are the numbers going to work out? Might be some processing. We'll see. Well, there's still a long way to go. I, I, there aren't many guys in this class that you look at and say, yeah, I can see them parting ways with him. I think there's always going to be some guys who might look around and you, you might lose someone that you don't want to. But, yeah, there will probably be some turnover at some point. And, yeah, Tennessee's still in the mix for a bunch of guys. So it – it's still going to be an interesting finish, uh, and they're in, they're in a good spot being in the top ten going into the season. Maybe I'm wrong, but if the kid wants you and you want the kid, yeah. get him in and figure out the numbers later. Exactly. It's not a bad thought. Even thanks, if Thanks, Wes. You've had some really bad thoughts, but that Recruiting wasn't one Guru, of them. Recruiting Guru, Wes Rucker, Bruce. Even if you aren't sure if he can help you in the post, you you know just what? take him now and figure it out. Each and every one of you just got suspended three games. So, I mean, I- I'm not going to practice. I don't think as long as I can practice for those two of those three. I don't think you were deliberately lying or deliberately mischievous, but but you were. And there are consequences. We have a code, and you're all suspended for three weeks. I'm just sorry we're in this situation. Pat, any final thoughts? Uh, No.